0: Hey, snacks! Welcome to season two of Snack Size, the podcast that'll drag you into your most fabulous life. I'm your host, Lala Luscious, also known as the snack of the Twin Cities, a drag queen that twirled her way into podcasting, and the rest is a dream come true. And that's exactly what this podcast is about making your dreams happen for you fabulously. This season, we are continuing our journey in finding out what makes a happy and fulfilled life, going places we've never been before. Don't forget that when it comes to your potential, the sky is the limit, and it's never a bad time to be who you are. Get you a snack, cause your fabulous life starts now. I've been sitting here drinking, now I'm thinking what scares me most.
1: No bomb a bullet ever do it, no man, no ghost, but one thing makes my skin keep crawling, that one thing is you. If I start losing some of your love, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I woke up from a nightmare falling, I fell deep in love with you. And I took your hand to save me, left my
0: whole life up to you. What I'm gonna do. Hey Snacks, you are listening to the single, Scare Me Most, from my guests for this episode. This guest is a soulful, spooky pop artist, raised in Syracuse, New York, and now lives in Los Angeles. He is the son of two ministers and first fell in love with music during his upbringing in the church. Now, he writes his own songs as an indie artist with no management or backing. He is completely self-produced. Whether it's a catchy tune or a stunning music visual, this guest is an example of what it means to live your dreams. Welcome to Snack Size. Trent Park. Let's give him a call. Hi, Trent. Welcome to Snack Size. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Excited. I am so excited. So, Scare Me Most is my new favorite thing. I love the beat. So, I would love to hear about what inspired that single and what is the story behind it.
1: Yeah. So, Scare Me Most was like an idea I've always had. This concept of love is like a villain. Like villainizing the idea of love. I think love is always personified as this like beautiful magical thing but i think for me um, just like my experience of love is like i'm very empathetic and so like when i go on dates not saying that i fall in love but the idea of love is always present so like when i wrote this song i kind of got an idea of like okay let's say this was a disney love story but like we put love as like the ultimate villain of it of because mm-hmm. you know love ends up makes us the most vulnerable i think And you see the most like powerful people when they fall in love, they become this completely other type of person. So I just want to do like, in terms of scared me most, like I just made like, I'm not afraid of like demons or ghosts or anything. But when it comes to the idea of love, I I get kind of, you know, scared of it because, (laughs) You become vulnerable and you have no control of what the other person feels. You just know the the love that you feel.
0: I read a really interesting interview with you on HVY.com. And one of the things you said is that you went on a lot of great dates, but it ultimately felt like you were dating ghosts. And I thought that was such a powerful statement to make, especially in relation to this song. I know that for me, I personally believe that people come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And it kind of sounds like this song is about the seasonal people. So how do those relationships affect you personally and as an artist?
1: Just living in Los Angeles. I'm originally from New York. I've been out here for about six or seven years. And I mean, the dating game is real. (laughs) Like, like, it's just so crazy. It's just like these different levels. And the one thing I really like about LA dating scene is like the majority of guys I go on dates with, I'm attracted to self-motivated people. They don't have to be successful, but like, just doing their own thing. And I respect that. You'll always be second in a career type mindset. So I kind of, when I did like start dating all these uh, guys or whatever, I already feel second right off the bat, which is fine. But you just kind of feel like, you know, their first love is like their career, which I, I get it because it's kind of mine too. But um yeah, like dating ghosts is like, it's a real thing.
0: Would you say music is your most consistent relationship in life? I would say so
1: because I mean I had a love and hate relationship with music for my like entire life, but the love was always the first one. The irritation of it is when I kind of turn it into a business. You know, I was exploiting my talent to do like art that I necessarily didn't resonate with as a creative. But that love of music has always been consistent when you're able to put that emotion that you felt into a song and then feel the emotion back when you hear it. It's very cathartic. And that's kind of like my therapy. So.
0: So one of the things I want to do with this particular podcast is try to help people find their inspiration. And I know that for me, I tried A ton of things before I found out that drag was that one thing that really just lit me up. When did you know that music was that type of thing for you? I could kind of pinpoint it, to be honest. And a lot of people can't. But
1: when I was young, I think I was like 10 or 11 or maybe even younger, to be honest. But I got a piano for Christmas. And I remember like coming up with ideas in my head and letting my fingers do it on the keys and then hearing it back and just like manipulating the music. So, it kind of, that love came very, very easily where I just like, it was like my internal voice within doing music and all that stuff. So, I think that's where I kind of can pinpoint my love of music. But I grew up in the church and my parents are pastors. Once I like learned the piano, I kind of got forced to like play piano for people and and for the congregation or whatever. And the black church is always like very unforgiving. They're always like, you're doing really great, but they're like, you know, if they're not into it, they're not into it. And I love, (laughs) you know, I love being in that demographic because you get called out, but in a very like, you know, you just had to have thick skin. But the cool thing about like learning piano was, especially within the community that I grew up in, is like they grew up on emotion rather than like the analytical side. Like a lot of people that I played with didn't like, no scales or key or BPM or whatever, but they knew the emotion and the heartbeat of a record and how to play and how to sing. Growing up in that environment really helped me kind of find my voice within that music.
0: I actually stumbled across an interview from you in 2014, where you're talking about writing lyrics and poetry. And you said, since I can remember, I have been a person fascinated by the art of conversation. you my father worked as a minister, crafting words to motivate a congregation, is where I was first exposed to the power of words. Do you still incorporate that time into your life, into your music today?
1: You know, I actually have my master's in creative writing. and I have my undergrad in literature and philosophy. So I really genuinely, like I took my fascination to another level of really like exposing myself to it in the most dramatic of ways to really educate myself of, okay, words are very fascinating, but like, how did the greats the the great philosophers and the great writers and historians really motivate these people and how could they be so classic from like thousands of years ago with their words and a lot of it was i took of you know emotion and storytelling like a lot of people like storytelling and they connect with emotion and keeping it really broad um like a broad kind of topic where every type of person can relate on the spectrum, so more people could connect with it, and it could become more classic. So I, I, for sure, the art of conversation is super key And all my music I've done. The the single after scare me most was "Don't Take My Life Away," which is a narrative on the social injustice that's happening within the black community. And I always just wanted to have it a conversation piece, an open thing where like even if someone that was not a person of color or someone that's not in a marginalized demographic can resonate with that emotion and still kind of hear the pain.
0: I can definitely see where your mind is working in your writing to kind of bring people in, and that's really effective. You are self-produced and self-promoting right now, right? Correct. I am a a,
1: a one-man band. I have some people that support me within the arts, but The majority of my art direction, my writing, production filters through me.
0: What has your experience been as a self-promoted artist? The really cool thing that I'm finding now
1: as a solo artist and completely fully independent, literally every artwork, piece, graphic, visual that I put on YouTube, everything is completely like produced by me. So it's a blessing in disguise because I've always wanted a team and I wanted management and distribution and all this stuff. But I think I always live by the quote from Arthur Ashe, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. I don't have that right now. So I really value like learning all the processes from like submitting my music to Spotify and to curators and, you know, doing as much as I can to learn the entire scope of the business because there's so many colors within the music business that I don't think people ever will understand unless they do it themselves. I've been doing it all all by myself. I'm kind of I'm not over it yet, but I'm soon to be. <laughs> my patience is wearing my patience is wearing thin because you know with everything there's a bandwidth and I think, you know, creativity you do have a certain amount that you give out and you need to replenish yourself. To be honest, I do have a circle of people that motivate me that may not be part of my projects, but I'm they, you know, stimulate stimulate me doing this stuff and their art and their music, so that's really good having a a good friendship base within that. But I do, I've, I've been slowly picking pieces and people from um, various projects that I've worked on in the past to kind of help me with my vision. And that's just been such a blessing to, uh, to get their support. I I can't wait till I get, um, you know, like funding and like I just, my ideal dream is just to be, do exactly what I do, just but on a bigger platform.
0: What advice would you have for the creative people or the people who want to start something new and maybe it's entrepreneurial and putting themselves out there? I always advise people do it. And, And that's
1: like such a simple phrase, but it's very complex. I have a lot of, you know, people always ask advice of like, well, how do I do it? And all this kind of stuff. And, you know, in the beginning phases of creating art or starting your business or whatever, whatever it is. You know, there's a fear because a lot of people in their mind, they have really good content or they have a really good idea and they know the level of that idea is so high. And when they're outputting it, it's not meeting that idea within their head. And as creatives, that's really difficult because, you know, you want the best for your brand. We all know like you got to look cute, have the right filter, do this. Your brand has to be popping, has to be featured, all this kind of stuff. But like in the beginning, like really humble yourself and forgive yourself and let yourself go through these modes of creativity because there's phases to it. and it's, There's such a beauty to becoming an entity. And a lot of people think it's like an overnight thing or maybe they'll think it'll, it'll never happen for them. But I just is like, just do it and forgive yourself. You're going to make some mistakes. It's going to get messy. It's going to get weird. It may not look exactly like how you do it. But with each thing that you output, whether it's a song, whether it's like a fashion design or like doing makeup for drag or whatever you're going to do, you know, it it may not be the best, but it's going to be next time it's going to be better. And it could be and the next time could be worse. But just know if you're consistent, consistency will always breed a good character. Be your own fan. Like even like now, every post I make on Instagram, I'm always the first to like it. Like once I post it, I like it because if I... If, even if no one comments or likes it, I'm going to be like, I back it. I made this art and I'm proud of it. So I'm always the first
0: like. I have a phrase. I always say you need to be able to co-sign your own bullshit. And I tell that to my drag kids all the time. You may go out on stage, you know, knowing that it's a mess, but you need to sell it like it is a, you know, couture garment, whatever yeah, the case and, may
1: be. And people love that. I, I think I think more than ever, people value honesty and transparency And I think the cosmetic perfectness of life is kind of over. I think people really love to see the human because we've seen so much auto-tune and so much perfection on TV or reality TV and stuff, where when you see someone being a human and they're really trying, I think people will always connect and empathize with that.
0: So another thing you said in one of the interviews, the quote is, I personally think an artist should develop their own business practices, relationships, knowledge, and crafts so that they can learn to be who they want to become. Have you had people in your life try to change who you are? And how did you deal with that?
1: Yes, I think a lot of people come in, especially other creative business mind people will come in and they'll always have a perspective, which I will value 100%. But there's something within an artist's gut and they could just tell. And they're like, this ain't right. I'll try it but it doesn't narrate well to my brand. So I've had people, you know, pitch music to me or even be on set and give me ideas that I don't necessarily resonate with. I always want to be a person with open ears, but there does come a time. And I think it's just because I've been in the game for a little bit where I really know my brand and who I want to be. It's going to grow. It's going to be different in the future. I know that. But for now, I really like know it so I think just trust your gut with certain scenarios because yeah for me people like will try to get it in and they'll see the work that you do and they want to put their name on it in a bigger way when they really didn't do anything but that's just (laughs) like they'll be like oh I'm xyz and I'm like uh prove it
0: (laughs) one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from my English teacher in college was that you should be mindful of what others think but you should never write to please them. And I think that can apply to whatever type of art or, you know, undertaking that you wanted to apply to a strong sense of self is what's going to keep you grounded and going in this industry. And critique is wonderful, but you also have to keep that sense of who you are. Absolutely. I think knowing who you are
1: is evolving, but knowing your comfort levels and really praising like what you know and your brand that you built, you should be confident with like never, never doubt yourself.
0: Speaking of evolving, another quote you had in the interview where you said, I was scared to let my true art and vision come to life because I was scared to fail. But now I am more confident than ever. Talk about the time in life where you were scared to fail and how you became who you are now. I
1: think it was a lot of layers of things. One, because like the output that I was doing within my creativity wasn't matching what I saw in my head. And that just really hurt me because like I try to communicate myself and my artistic view through what I'm doing and it wasn't done properly and it was just getting me really irritated. <laughs> yeah. um, and even, even now, you know, like whether it's experience or budget or whatever, there was never like kind of fully coming out there, but kind of like what we were kind of speaking of earlier of just finding your confidence within your flaws. Even within that past self-exploration, like years ago I was just growing into myself and a human being. Like I'm black, I'm Mexican, in a Christian household, gay, and primarily going to like a white school, but like living in um, in the city and like trying to find my identity within all these different subcultures of who I was was really hard for me. And I think even growing up as a teenager and adult, like I, I had to find my like place within the culture and the demographic and the um, you know sexual identity of who I was and it was kind of tricky and I it was hard for me to be confident because I didn't know that but like living in Los Angeles and like seeing all these people and like seeing behind the curtain of like oh my God I've seen you on TV or like oh I see you're like on Instagram you have all these followers and then I've met with so many amazing people and they're like yo I have this problem or like this insecurity or. X, Y, Z, and just learning that all people are people and they have struggles just like me, that really like encouraged me, not the fact that they were going through stuff, but just knowing that I wasn't alone in anything. And it's still true to this day of Hollywood stars, whoever like the prettiest people or most fit, And like perfect skin and hair, like are going through certain situations like we are. So that kind of just made me like, okay, forgive yourself, grow into this identity and just know that it's going to evolve and you're going to get more and more confident. But, you know, I think celebrating myself more helped with growing my identity of confidence celebrating like the little things you know like i just started my youtube channel and i i like have like under uh, under 400 followers but i'm like yes killing it killing the game (laughs) um and like which each like thousand views or whatever i'm just like celebrating
0: well hey 400 isn't bad if it makes you feel any better while i have tons of listeners on the podcast platforms I actually only have like 13 followers on YouTube. So uh, just because YouTube is really for podcasts, but right. I would like a little bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that you touched on the identity stuff because something I definitely want to talk about is your single Don't Take My Life Away. As we know, it's a very difficult and you know, weird and interesting and in, in a good way and in bad ways, time to be Black and also to be Black and gay. So I kind of want to know what inspired that song, where your head was at, how you came about writing it, what was your process?
1: Yeah, I mean, man, that it was such a, a hard time during that week when Floyd was murdered, because it's been happening for so long. And it just was like, just It just broke, you know, when things just really break your heart, like it really broke me, to be honest. When all the riots were happening and like I was here in LA in my apartment and just like hearing helicopters and like seeing the craziness of it and the depth of it, it just really, really just brought this darkness over my whole mood, my whole energy, everything The Sunday morning after that happened, I just like woke up just crying. Like I And I I felt like I wasn't crying for myself. It was like, because I've had a lot of, you know, racist scenarios that happened to me. My dad has, um, my whole family has, my community has. So I just felt that like cry from like, like I, I call it like a cry from my ancestors. Like I really felt it. Um, so I ended up going to a bunch of marcher, marches, protests. I knew I needed to do something creative. I just didn't know what I was going to do. But during the march, everyone was chanting, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. I was with a buddy and I was like, this sounds like a song. So I, I pulled out my phone and voice memoed the, the chanting. And I got into the studio with the producer. And the crazy thing is with the process of that song, the entire verse is exactly what I sang the first time I've ad-libbed. Like, we didn't cut or edit anything in terms of the melody. You know, we darkened the room. I was just all in my feels. And I was just like, na 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 so I can't breathe. And it was just so emotional for me to, like, sing it. And then wrote it the words... The next day, put it out like so quick because I'm just like, I was inspired by a Nina Simone interview where she says, an artist' duty is to reflect the times. It's not a luxury to reflect the times. It's a duty for us to reflect the times. So I'm like, it's not perfectly, my voice isn't perfect. Like the production isn't exactly how I want it. But I'm like, this needs to be heard from me. And it's a lot of people may be doing their own records, but I need to do my record.
0: Well, it is an amazing song, and I can definitely hear the realness and the, you know, the raw emotion in it, and that definitely comes through. One more question. What do you think the secret to a happy and fulfilled life is? Just comfort
1: in your flaws is just a beautiful, beautiful thing to me. And even your perfection could be a flaw to someone else, but it ain't their business. I think the the secret to happiness is really finding balance within the emotion of whatever you feel. Say you're mad, say you're sad, whatever that feeling is, let yourself feel that, but find the balance within yourself of contentment and knowing that it's okay to hurt, it's okay to be mad, it's okay, whatever emotion you feel, it's okay, but just don't sit in that too long and don't let that Cloud your vision of your journey and who you are and who you're meant to be. What is next for you? What is next for me? Well, I always just encourage people to follow my YouTube because YouTube and Instagram, I'm very, very active and I like, I take it very serious and I'll always give the best content and you kind of like see into my spooky pop type mind.
0: (laughs) Where can we find
1: you online? So you can find me everywhere. It's at Trent Park on Instagram, at Trent Park, as well as YouTube throw me a dm i love talking to people too so
0: well Trent, thank you so much for coming on snack Size. it was absolutely a pleasure yes thank you and thanks for creating
1: this platform for artists creatives and people to to talk about their their art i think it's very powerful and, and needed so thank you
0: <laughs> all right snacks that is all for today i will see you next time bye snacks hey snack i hope you enjoyed this episode Snack Size Podcast is sponsored by Twin Cities Gay Scene, the online magazine for events and culture happening in the Twin Cities area. Check out my bi-weekly editorial, Snack Scene, at www.twincitiesgayscene.com. And for more fun with this podcast, head on over to www.snacksizepodcast.com to leave a review and follow me on my social media. Until next time, go be fabulous.